The title of the message this morning is The Goodness of the Lord. The Goodness of the Lord. And as you know, that is our focus and theme as we are sharing the word together today. So please turn so long to Exodus chapter 33. Uh, we'll be reading a little bit from there in the New King James Version shortly. We also welcome those that are joining on live streaming, uh, live audio, live video. Can we put our hands together and just welcome those folks, please? Lovely to have them. Good. Just as a bit of an introduction, about two weeks ago, I found myself just out of the blue, just spontaneously thanking the Lord for His goodness. I, I like to do that. I tend to be a person who is thankful, um, and sometimes when I was growing up, I often, my mom would take me out clothes shopping, and then I would thank her so many times, eventually she would say, okay, now stop it. You, you've thanked me enough, I know you're happy, and so... I just like to be thankful to the Lord. So here I am. I'm just thanking the Lord for his goodness. And it just bubbled out of me as I was getting ready for work. And I was just rejoicing in the goodness of the Lord. And at that very moment, I just felt a prompting of the Lord. The Lord said, you need to minister on this, the goodness of the Lord, on this Sunday, on our 14th birthday celebration. So as I'm sharing this with you, I believe this is not a good idea. I believe this is a God idea. I believe I've sensed a whisper from God, and I'm just responding. So would you allow your spirits to be open to what the Lord wants to say to you today? Can I get an amen? amen. And also just to say, it gives me such great joy to talk about uh, the goodness of the Lord, because really in my heart of hearts, I am fully, fully convinced that God is a good God. And I share about this because that is the deepest sense in my heart. He is good. He has been good to you. Amen. He's been good to me. And you know what? He has been wonderfully good to us as a congregation. We celebrate in his goodness today, 14 years. And, and I thought, well, should I try to put together a whole long list of of many instances and testimonies and examples and, and all sorts of things the Lord has done and, and provided and, and people responding to salvation and baptism and all of that and lives being restored. And, and I thought it would actually just take too long to try to detail what the Lord has done. But I can assure you that as a congregation, the Lord has been wonderfully good to us. Praise the Lord. And so His goodness is being magnified in this place. Four points I'd like to share with you, if you're making any notes, please jot them down. Number one, God is completely and entirely good. Please say that with me. God is completely and entirely good. As you see those words up there, do you feel a sense of yes in your heart or a sense of questioning? I pray that there's a sense of yes in your heart because let me tell you, God is utterly, completely, entirely, absolutely good. He is good through and through. He is the definition of goodness. He is the essence of goodness. And he is the personification of goodness. That is our God. And he also is the source of all goodness. And you know that any goodness that you can see on earth, even through somebody who's an unbeliever, is ultimately from God because they are made in the image of God. All goodness ultimately comes from God. 
If you imagine a little girl, maybe seven years old, and she's in the garden, and she sees this little bird, little, little dove that's fallen out of the nest, and, and she begins to pick it up, and she wants to nurture this little dove, and I don't know, try to feed it pro neutro or something, I don't know, probably that makes them die, but anyhow, so she's trying to, she just wants to help this little dove, but you know what, what is that? It's goodness. It's the goodness of God, because she is made in the image of God, ultimately, God is the source of all goodness. Psalm 106 verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is, what's that word? Good. For His mercy endures forever. But in terms of uh, a little bit of the meaning of, of the goodness of God, and I ask myself, well, this phrase, the goodness of God, what does it actually mean? And this is what it means. The goodness of God means that God is the ultimate standard of what is good. And in terms of that, all that God is, is worthy of approval. All that God does is worthy of approval. God is the ultimate standard of what is good. Now, we find this story in, uh, and it's an incredible story, in Exodus 33. I hope you're there so long. You can look at uh, verse 18. We'll get there in a moment. So I believe that you couldn't really share on the goodness of God without referencing this story in Exodus 33. And so the story is uh, taking place here, and it is actually revealing the character and the nature of God, and specifically there's a special focus on the goodness of God in the story in Exodus 33 and verse and uh, 34 as well. And it focuses on the goodness of God. And in the story, uh, Moses asks God, and Moses says, God, would you please show me your glory? Moses had just been meeting with God, but then it seemed like the business had come to an end, and then Moses spoke up and he said, God, would you please show me your glory? That's a good thing to pray. That's a prayer that I think we can all pray. So Moses said, God, show me your glory. And then in uh, Exodus 33, verse 18 and 19, let's just read it. It says, and he, Moses, said, it's on your screen. He said, please, show me your glory. Then he, that is God, said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Now, I find this interesting because Moses was saying, God, would you show me your glory? And then God says, I will cause my goodness to pass before you. And so I feel based on that, it is reasonable to assume and to deduce that God's glory is his goodness. You might want to write that down. God's glory is his goodness. When you see the goodness of God manifest in a situation, you've seen the glory of God. There are also, I believe, other aspects to the glory of God. But according to this, it says that God's glory is his goodness. And so amazingly, God grants Moses this request. He says, okay, I'm going to do it. And God said, well, we're going to do this in a specific way that you need to stand on the rock and then what will happen is when my glory passes by, I will take you and I will place you in a crevice in the side of the rock or the mountain, in the cleft of the rock. 
And then I will cause my glory to pass before you. And when I do that, I will cover you with my hand. And once I've passed by, I will remove my hand and you will see me from behind, but you won't see my face because as we know, the scripture says, no one shall see the face of God and live. And so let's read as it happens in Exodus 34, verse 6 to 8. It's on your screen. It says, and the Lord passed before him. Now, can you just imagine this for a moment? Imagine you are Moses, you're in the cleft of the rock, and God has literally been manifested in front of your eyes. And it says, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God. Now, look at what it said. Merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression for all and sin. So Moses made haste and bowed his head towards the earth and worshiped God. But that phrase there I want you to particularly notice is the phrase, abounding in goodness. Would you say that with me? Abounding in goodness. One more time. Abounding in goodness. So this is amazing. Moses says, show me your glory. God says, I'll let my goodness pass before you. And what happens? God does that. It's this amazing revelation of God. And as a result, it's as though Moses is seeing the nature of God. He cannot believe it. And he hears these words, abounding in goodness. He is a good God. I want to tell you, that is the God that you and I serve. He abounds in goodness. Don't believe lies of what religious mindsets have said to you in the past. Because I want to tell you, God is not cruel. God is a merciful God. And he abounds in goodness. And so you and I need to make sure that we believe in the nature of God accurately, that we see God for who he is. And so when Moses had this revelation of God's nature, all he could do was hit the ground and respond by worshiping God because he saw the abounding goodness of God. And you know what I thought about? It's actually like Moses was seeing in that moment the DNA of God. It's like he saw the very characteristics, the very fiber, the very makeup of God. He saw it there. And one of those key characteristics is that he abounds in goodness. I want to say that if you could put God under a microscope, which you can't, like you analyze blood, I believe that under that microscope, you would see the following things. You would see mercy, grace loving kindness, truth, and you would see abundant goodness. Can I get an amen? amen? And so why am I sharing these verses with you? So that we would more accurately grasp the reality of our God's character because he is completely and entirely good. Praise God. Number two, imitate God. Let his goodness flow through you. Please say that. Imitate God. Let his goodness flow through you. There's a scripture in the NIV Bible, Ephesians 5 and verse 1. It says, be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children. Now, would you please say the word imitate? <laughs> Think about the word imitate for a moment. It means to follow someone's example, 
It means to copy behavior, and it also means to simulate. And so I'd like to point out to you that the word imitate is actually a verb. It is a doing word. So there is a call to action when God says that we should imitate him. There's a call to action. And I'd like to just remind you and kind of make it clear that part of the responsibility of being a child of God is that you and I, we need to imitate God. We can't just worship God and enjoy reading our Bibles. No. Our lives need to be transformed because let me tell you, if God has really changed your life, then prove it by living a life that is changed. It's not about good works, not at all. But the life that has been changed by God will flow out with goodness and good works out of the life. Otherwise, I question, have you really met God if no goodness flows out of your life? And so we have this responsibility that we should imitate God. And there are several times where God in Scripture tells us to imitate Him. I'm just thinking of a couple of them. And uh, God says, be holy as I am holy. Jesus said, wash one another's feet as I have washed your feet. Jesus also said, love one another as I have loved you. And so the call to imitate God is clear in Scripture. And Jesus specifically says in John 13, verse 15, he says, For I, Jesus, have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. And you see, folks, in the same way that children imitate their parents, we are called to imitate God's example of goodness. Amen? Now, have you ever seen your child, your son or your daughter, imitating you? And you think to yourself, man, oh man, that looks just like me. Can you believe it? Or maybe you've seen them doing something that is, is not so lacquer, and you say, that is just like my wife. I can't believe it, you know? Must, yeah. Now, let me just tell you a little story. So... Uh, my brothers, Andrew, Peter, and I, when we chat on the phone to each other, we quite, you know, chilled in the way we talk to each other. So sometimes I'll be on the phone to Peter and I'll say, typically the conversation will go, hey, but, how's it? Yeah, no, like, how's it, but? Yeah, no, good, but, you know? And this is, this is the way we talk because but is South African and, uh, and that's the way we do it. Yeah, no, but, okay, we're going to go to gym tomorrow. Yeah, but, okay, cool. Now, what's interesting, I hear my sons talking the other day. Jason and Michael, and Jason's down at the coast doing the gap here, Michael's up here, and here they are talking to each other, and what do I hear? Hey, but, how's it? How's it, but, yeah. Okay, buddy, all right. Chat again later, bye. And it's amazing. <laughs> and in the same way that our kids imitate us, we should be imitating our Father who is in heaven. And it says in Galatians 6 verse 10, it says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so in Galatians 6.10, it actually becomes an instruction that followers of Jesus Christ, we are to do good to everyone, but especially those of the household of faith. Now, in Galatians 5, verse 22, we see the 11 fruits of the Spirit. Amen? 
Just checking if you're awake. I heard one or two amens. There are nine fruit of the Spirit, all right? Galatians 5.22, there are nine fruit of the Spirit. And I'd like to remind you that one of the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Would you say goodness? Yes. It's listed as a fruit of the Spirit. And this means that the Spirit-filled believer, if you are baptized in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, it means that you and I are actually empowered to manifest the goodness of God. Now, I really love that because it means that I don't have to try in my own strength, but God is enabling me and empowering me. All I need to do is follow the Lord. All I need to do is let His Spirit fill my life and flow through my life. And automatically, there are fruits that come out of our lives. And one of those automatic fruits is the fruit of goodness. And so it's so wonderful. We don't have to try in our own strength, but God empowers us. Can you say amen? amen. Please say this after me. The Spirit of the Lord, Spirit has, empowered the Lord. Has, empowered has empowered me to goodness. dispense goodness. Amen. Now, number three, this is a very important point. To overcome despair, it is essential that we believe in the goodness, in God's goodness. Would you say that with me? To overcome despair, it is essential that we believe in God's goodness. Now, I want to say to you, you must believe. <laughs> there is a part that you have to play concerning the goodness of the Lord and what we're sharing about today, but you have to believe in the goodness of God. Please tell the person next to you, believe in God's goodness. Tell them that. Believe in God's goodness. Now, there is a scripture that I'd like to share with you that I believe could be helpful. It's Psalm 27, verse 13, and I'm reading it from the New American Standard Bible. I really love the way it puts it, and listen to this. Let it be ministered to you by the Spirit of God. It says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. That's what we're talking about today, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I want to say to you, maybe some of you are discovering this verse for the first time today. This is a powerful verse. And I believe that there are some people under the sound of my voice here that you need to hear this verse today. You desperately need to hear this verse. Take it as your own. Claim this verse. Let it be a promise that you begin to hang on in your life. But folks, if you are struggling today with hopelessness and you are struggling with despair, then I want to say to you, let God's word rescue you. Let the scripture rescue you because the word of God is powerful and alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. I want to tell you, it just takes one verse from God to change your life. One scripture that becomes a revelation just to change your life. And so I want to ask that you don't just let the scripture go in one ear, out the other, but take it, receive it. One of our pastors was uh, sharing a story during the week in our Pastors Connect together, and uh, he shared something that happened uh, a number of years ago, and at the time he was in the military, he was at the top of a 300-foot tower, that is seriously high, 300-foot tower, and there he was at the top, 
He was where he was not supposed to be. He had run across the runway, and this was on the border, and he had gone into a no-go section. He was at the top of this tower, and there he was. He wanted to end his life. He was hopeless. He was in despair. And he sat there on the edge of this tower with his legs hanging over, and he prayed. He said, God, would you please send a wind and blow me off this tower? I cannot live anymore. Send a wind and blow me off. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy that that didn't take place at that point in time. But then also at that same period, God gave him a scripture. Psalm 27, verse 13. And I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And praise God, God brought him through. He didn't take his life, and he's one of our pastors today. Can we thank the Lord for that? <laughs> praise the Lord. Now, what is the land of the living that this speaks about? It is this present life, the here and the now. It is while we are alive on earth. And so David wrote this psalm, Psalm 27, because he was going through serious trials and hardships. And in terms of those trials and hardships, he was facing some hectic stuff, including he was facing violence against him. He was facing false witnesses that were coming against him, and people were even wanting to kill David. Now, one day he was going through a hard time. I don't know if there's anybody here that somebody's trying to kill you at the moment, but I seriously doubt it. David was in a serious situation, and that is when he wrote Psalm 127. People wanted to kill him, but you know what? David was confident that God would see him through in this life, that God would uh, reveal his wisdom in this life. But I want to tell you, David believed. I have to let you know that there is a part that you have to play in your own victory, and this is the part. You have to believe in God's goodness, and then God does the rest. But there is a part. One theologian says the following, by an effort of faith in the goodness of the Lord, the psalmist was saved from the despair which threatened to seize him. And uh, our, our verse that we're looking at, Psalm 27, verse 13, in the Good News Bible, it says, I know that I will see the Lord's goodness in this present life. Can I say, do you have that assurance of heart like the psalmist when the psalmist says, I know, I know, I know, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I pray for those of you that don't know it with conviction, I pray that faith would arise in this place by the Spirit of God even right now. I pray that hope would arise in this place in Jesus' name. Let God's people be confident in seeing the goodness of the Lord in this life. Because let me tell you, if you don't believe in God's goodness, then there is nothing to live for. Now, in terms of God's goodness, Psalm 31 verse 19 is so beautiful. It says, oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you. I just want to revel in God's goodness for a moment. And I want to tell you this that God's goodness is inexhaustible. That's the truth. God's goodness is inexhaustible. God's goodness is endless. The storehouse of God's goodness is vast. There is enough for all of us to experience God's goodness. The fountain will never run dry. 
It says in Psalm 52 verse 1, it says, the goodness of God endures continually. Beautiful. It continues continually. So you don't need to think, well, maybe I'll have two years of God's goodness and the rest of my life is going to be hell. I want to tell you the Bible says that God's goodness continues. It continues and it will not be exhausted. And let me also say about this goodness being stored up, that it is safely stored up where the devil cannot reach it. <laughs> I like that. It is safely stored up where evil men cannot reach it because it is stored up for us. It is stored up for you and for me. It is stored up for those who fear God and those who trust in Him. And I want to say this is not stored up so that it's there and you never get it. No, it's just a way of speaking that it's stored up for us. And we can expect to receive of his goodness because if God says how great is his goodness that he has stored up for us, for you, then you can expect to receive what is stored up for you. Amen? It is wonderful. And so I want to just break a little bit of a paradigm in people's minds saying, well, the goodness of God is stored up, but I ain't getting any of it. I want to tell you, no, it's stored up to be dispensed into your life. Would you believe in his goodness and see it manifest in your life? Amen? Praise the Lord. Point number four, the last point. Just to recap on the first three points. Number one, God is completely and entirely good. Number two, imitate God. Let his goodness flow through you. Number three, to overcome despair. It is essential that we believe in God's goodness. And now number four, God intends to make his goodness your testimony. Isn't that lovely? Say that with me. God intends to make his goodness your testimony, my testimony. Can I ask you here today, genuinely, how many of you can say from your heart that you can genuinely testify to the goodness of the Lord in your life? Raise your hand nice and high. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise for them. Wonderful. I can too. I can testify of the Lord's goodness. I just want to tell you a brief story. It relates to my own situation. And three years before Choose Life started, I was really not in a good way. I was most certainly in the depths of depression. And I felt so guilty because I thought, I'm a pastor. How can I be depressed? And, you know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Just get over it. And, and I was going through this battle of depression in my life. Essentially, it related to the death of a dream. I had dreamt of certain things that God was going to unfold in terms of ministry. And it wasn't happening. In fact, the complete opposite was happening. And so I was really struggling. I was battling to function. I lost 10 kgs in one month. I was broken. To use that Afrikaans word, I was stickered. And I was hope deferred. And I didn't understand it all because certain of the things which I felt were promises and prophecies over our lives were not materializing. And I was confused. I didn't realize that you could get to a place of being completely hope deferred. You know what that means? It means there's no hope. No hope. Everything looks like a black tunnel in front of you. But I got to that place. 
But I want to tell you, but God. But God. But God. But God. But God. But God. And I want to tell you that God began to give fresh vision. He began to restore my hope. And as a result of his goodness, he began to birth something wonderful. And he began to birth something new and beautiful. And as a result, I can honestly testify that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. I've seen it. He's good. He's an amazing God. I almost feel emotional as I share this with you. And I give all the glory to God for what he has done. Now, you cannot tell me that God's not good because I know it. I've seen it for myself. Some of you are equally as convinced. You know it. You've seen it for yourself. May his glory and his goodness be magnified here in this place. Hallelujah. And so, God made... His goodness, my testimony, and he'll do the same for you. He will make his goodness your testimony. The scripture says in Psalm 23, verse 5 and 6, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Cup running over. That sounds like goodness. And then he says, Surely Goodness and mercy. Now that word goodness, say it please. Say it a little louder. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to tell you when goodness and mercy are following you, they have become your testimony. God wants to make his goodness your testimony. Just on a lighter note, There's a pastor that I know in the city. And so uh, him and his wife, they had their first child. And so they decided they're going to call the child Goodness. Cool. So they got their name Goodness. A year or two later, they have another child that is born. And so they thought, well, okay, well, what's the next word in the scripture? Uh, Mercy. Okay. All right. So they've got the two names here, Goodness and Mercy. And so they were so happy with their two children. But then they had a third child. <laughs> and so now, what are they going to call the, the child? Psalms or, you know? So they thought about it for a while and they thought, they'll call the, ch- the child Shirley. <laughs> S-U-R-E-L-Y. Now the order is not quite right, but still, Shirley, goodness and mercy are following them all the days of their lives. <laughs> Speaking of God's goodness reminds me of a prayer that my dad used to pray. And when he would say grace with us as a family, he would often say these words. He would say, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. And then he would say this, you give us so much richly to enjoy. And as a kid, I'd hear my dad, you give us so much richly to enjoy. And you know what? It made an impression upon me. It made me a person that also wanted to thank the Lord for his goodness. And I want to say, let us set that same example to our children, that they see we honor God for his goodness, because you know what? They will then imitate you. They will honor God also for his goodness in their lives. And I want to end off by saying that I am convinced 
that God wants to pour out His wonderful goodness in your life, child of God, so that people around about you would see His goodness upon your life and that they would glorify your Father who is in heaven. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Somebody shout out hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to thank you for who you are, and we love you, Lord. Thank you for your great goodness in this place, and we just want to let it be known that to you belongs all the glory and the honor and the praise. And I thank you, Lord, that you are the one that abounds in goodness. I pray, Lord, that you would minister this word on on an ongoing basis to people's hearts that we would truly begin to believe in your goodness like never before. For we ask us in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.